right, take out your sermon notes, if you will, please, and you probably already got the blanks filled in. I've already given you the clue on where you can find the, the, the key part of the blanks to fill in, uh, but that's not the most important part. The most important part is that you have something to take home with you that can help you grow in your faith and help your family uh, to grow as well. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I just want to mention a, um, a verse of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 15. And then I'll be back over in Hebrews chapter number 6 for the message this morning. But in Hebrew, or in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verse number 19, the Apostle Paul said something like this. He said, if we have placed our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. I guess the original, or the king, not the original here, not the original, but the King James version of the Bible that you're probably more familiar with. Paul says, if in this life, what's it say? If, it, if, it, if in this life we have hope in Christ, we are of, are of all men most miserable. I remember memorizing that one in Sunday school years and years ago. The point is this. If, if this is all there is, even if you put your hope in Christ, but this is all there is, Paul says... You're of all men most miserable. You are of all people most pitied. Guys, I want you to know our D6 theme for the week is hope. But I want you to know that if this is it, I mean, if this is as good as life gets, then you're to be pitied. And I'm to be pitied. Why? Because we're just passing through. Matter of fact, the scripture verse that I used to preach my grandmother's funeral was Philippians 1.21, where Paul said, For me to live is Christ... And to die is gain. For me to live is crossed and to die is gain. Why is it gain? It's because of the hope that we have in the person of Jesus Christ. You see, if for me to live is money, then to die is loss. If for me to live is ambition, then to die is loss. If, if for me to live is social status, then to die is loss. If for me to live is to have a bigger house and nicer cars, then to die is loss. Guys, I want you to tell you, I want to tell you something. There is a life far more worth living than just putting our hope in this present world. Don't get too comfortable. You see, I think all too often we as Christians, we've gotten way too comfortable in this world. Hello? When I pull my ear, I'm looking for an Amen. We've gotten way, 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 way too comfortable in this world. We're not going to be here forever. We're simply just passing through. This is kindergarten for the rest of our life. You know, I remember I was thinking this past Monday as I was preaching my grandmother's funeral that when she passed away that Friday, last Friday, guys, that was to die as gain. I was thinking as I preached my grandmother's funeral on that Friday when she passed away, that wasn't the end of her life. That was the beginning. And all oh, if we could see what she sees right now. If we could experience what she's experiencing right now. Guys, that's what I'm talking about. Whenever we start talking about our hope, we're not talking about, we're not talking about a humanistic, optimistic point of view at life. We're talking about a hope that is anchored in the Lord Jesus Christ. And a hope that one day we will see him. And it's not a, I hope I will. It's that the hope is, I know I will. So therefore, I have hope. Okay? The hope that we're experiencing is not like the world uses hope. Well, you know, 
Sometimes you may sit and you may just hope that somebody will come by and visit you. Or you may hope that someone understands. That's not the type of hope that I'm speaking about. The type of hope that I'm speaking about is a hope that is anchored. A hope that is sure. A hope that is solid. And Paul said, if we have placed our hope in Christ for this life only, that we should be pitied more than anyone. So the question is, is there any hope? Is there any hope? You know, I think about different situations where I've counseled people and I've talked with people and I've ministered to families and I've helped people through different situations and circumstances that they may find themselves in. I sat in my study this past week and I just started pinning down some things and I, I put it in the form of a question and all of these are, are situations where I have counseled with families and I just went back and started thinking about all the problems and, and all the, the hardships and all the difficulties that families have been through and I put it in, a, in the form of a question, is there any hope for a married couple who seem to wind up at the same dead end of unresolved conflict again and again and again, is there any hope for them? Is there any hope for a person who has fallen victim to alcohol and to drugs and to gambling or any other type of addictive behavior? Is there hope for a person who is so deep in whatever the situation that they're in and that they've fallen into that they don't seem to think there's any way out? Is there any hope for a mom-to-be who goes to the doctor for the routine checkup and says, I'm sorry, but I do not hear the heartbeat of the child any longer. Matter of fact, for those that may be connected with Bethel Church, Josh Ham and his wife just went to the doctor and heard that news. I'm sorry. I don't hear the heartbeat any longer. Just lost a child. Is there any hope for a single mom who works a full-time job day in and day out? She serves both, both roles as mother and as father. And in the late hours of the night, she's sitting there after the children have gone to bed and she's wondering how long can I keep this up? Is there any hope for that single mother? Is there any hope for that person who battles depression and anxiety? Is there any hope for the person who stands by the bedside of a loved one, whether it be their spouse or their grandmother, and they ask, is there any hope? Is there any hope for a generation of young people who seem to be an easy mark for drugs and STDs and abuse or the pain of a broken family. Is there any hope for that generation? Is there hope for those individuals that are struggling and suffering from financial setback due to the economy that we're living in today? The question is, is there any hope? The answer is yes. Amen? To all of these different situations and every one of these, I could put a name and a face and a date and a time when I dealt with an individual or a family that went through every single one of those, those, those scenarios that I just shared with you. People are living right there in those situations. And they come and they ask, is there any hope? Well, guys, I'll be honest with you. If all I do is watch Fox News... If all I do is watch CNN, if all I do is read the statistics of the world today, then I'd probably come out of that saying, there's no hope. That's it. This is the best there is. You know, I love, I love Fox News. I love to watch it. But there's sometimes I, I just get depressed watching it and I just turn it off. I, I'm tired of hearing it. 
I'm sick of hearing it. I'm sick of hearing all the negative stuff in our world today. Now, many, a lot of it's true that's taking place. But guys, listen, if you just focus on the present situation that you're in today, and if you just focus on our world's environment and culture and the economy and everything else that's taking, politics and everything else that's taking place in our world today, you will leave depressed. But I got news for you. As a Christian, we have hope. We don't have to get down in the mire and the clay of, of all the junk of our society and our world anymore. We have hope. But what you got to do, you got to lift your eyes from above your circumstances and lift your eyes to the Lord. He's the one that brings hope into our situation. He's the one that brings hope into our family. He's the one that brings hope into our life. Does anybody understand what I'm saying this morning? Listen, guys, you've got to lift your eyes up above your situation to the one that brings hope. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 through 5, I started to preach out of this text. But I changed my mind. I went over to Hebrews. But i got to share this passage of Scripture with you. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 5, Peter writes and he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy. Why? I ask. Why did Peter say, blessed be the God and our Father? Why is he giving glory and honor to God the Father? He answers that question. He says, because he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Guys, you understand that we have a living hope. We don't have a dead hope. We don't have a hope so hope. We don't have a maybe hope. We have a living hope. In the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there's a dominant theme that runs throughout the entire Bible. And it's the message of hope. You see, if you just, if you just play around, if you just dwell, if you just kind of anchor down a little bit in the book of Genesis, whenever Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and the original sin came, and the, and the whole world, the whole nature of mankind has been cursed as a result of that sin, you'll look around you'll say there's no hope. But there's some things you got to remember. You've got to go back to Genesis 3.15 where you see the first, very verse, first what we call the pro-evangelical, which is the first prophecy of the coming of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ that will crush the head of Satan, that will give us hope in this world that we live in. You see, everybody looks at things one of two ways. You see, it has all to do with your perspective. We all know individuals that are very optimistic. But at the same time, we know individuals that are very pessimistic. Amen? We know some people that will look at a beautiful rose bush and they will, they will ooh and ah over the beauty of the roses. But yet you have someone come along and look at that very same rose bush and they will be frightened by the thorns. You see, it's all how you look at things. And I just choose to look at things through the lenses of, a, of our God. I don't care what situation that I personally find myself in. I know that I've got hope and it's not in my ability. It's not in my resources. It's not in my job. It's not in my talents. It's not in my skills. It's not in things around me. Listen, my hope rests in the Lord. I often tell my wife and I tell my family and I tell everybody, listen, the source of your income is not your job. 
You may lose that job tomorrow. You wonder why there's so many people committing suicide? You wonder why there's so many people that are down and out? You wonder why there's so many people that are battling with depression today? Yes, many of them have lost their jobs. And many of them are struggling financially. But they've, they've placed their hope and the, and the source of everything that they have in life in their job or in their social status or in their careers. Listen, that's not where it is. If you place it there, I promise you, I promise you, you're going to be discouraged and you may be depressed. But I want to challenge you this morning to lift your eyes a little higher from your present situation and the circumstances you may find yourself in and lift your eyes to the one that commands the sun to come up every morning and to set every evening. Listen to one that has the stars all numbered and the hairs of your head numbered. Listen to the one that the scripture teaches us that when a sparrow falls, he knows when that bird just flew into your window and died. You see, that's the one that I choose to put my hope in. That's the one that I choose to look at when, when it seems like the situation is bleak or on the brink and everything's about to, to crash and crumble. I like to put my hope in the sustainer of all life, in the creator of all life. And that's what Peter's writing about. He's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Oh, there's a dominant theme that runs throughout the entire Bible, and it's the message of hope. You see, though, you get to choose. You get to, you get to choose on the perspective that you're going to look at things. Whether you're going to look at a rose bush and see the beauty or whether you'll look at that same rose bush and see the thorns. And right now you're thinking about an individual that looks at a rose. How many knows an individual when, you, when they look at a rose bush all they see are the thorns? You know those people. How many knows people when, when they look at a rose bush all they see is the beauty? I hope you know more of them. Because, listen, let's just choose to look at things through God's lenses and God's perspectives. Amen? And let's talk a little bit about this hope this morning. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11 down through verse number 20. Now, I'm not going to be able to unpack everything there is in, these, in this passage of Scripture. Boy, there is so much. But there's a few things, a few highlights that I would like to dwell on for a moment. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number... Actually, let's start in verse number 10. It says, for God is not unjust. And I like this part. He will not forget your work and the love you showed for his name when you served the saints and you continue to serve them. Guys, I want you to understand, whatever deed, whatever act, whatever service that you give in the name of Jesus, God will never forget it. Amen? You know, sometimes, I'll just be honest with you, I, I try to be transparent up here. I don't want to share all my ills <laughs> but sometimes I get discouraged and I think you know what am I doing any good whatsoever you know you serve and you serve and you serve and you give and you give and you give and sometimes the devil just beats you up and thinks you know why don't you just stop you're not doing anything and I'll be honest with you sometimes I think you know maybe I do need to stop and then all of a sudden God just sends a gentle reminder and he says I've not forgotten that I've seen that I've watched that and I want to encourage you today God it says that God is not unjust and he will not forget your work and the love that you showed in his name when you served. So guys, keep serving. 
Amen. Keep serving the Lord. Keep working in the church. Keep doing it. God is keeping record. And when, and when, when everything's said and done, that's all that matters is that he's keeping record. And I just want to encourage you with that verse. It has really nothing to do with what I'm going to say, but I want to encourage you with that verse. I, I had to throw it in there. Look at verse 11 now. Now we want each of you to demonstrate the same diligence for the final realization of your hope so that you won't become lazy, but imitators, that's a key phrase, but imitators of those who inherit the promises through faith and perseverance. Now, the writer of Hebrews is going to take a time out right here and he's going to give you a biblical example of an individual that inherited the promise through faith and perseverance. And he says in verse 13, for when God made a promise to Abraham, he's giving you an illustration with the point that he just made. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no greater to swear by, he swore by himself. And he said, I will most certainly bless you and I will greatly multiply you. And so after waiting patiently, oh, that's a biggie right there. It's talking about Abraham, the promise God gave him. After waiting patiently, Abraham obtained the promise. For men swear by something greater than themselves, and for them a confirming oath ends every dispute. Because God wanted to show his unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of the promise, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that through, so that through two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope that is set before us. We have this hope like a sure and firm anchor of the soul that enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain Jesus has entered there on our behalf as a forerunner. Now here I want to just pull out of that passage of scripture three different things that I believe defines the Christian's hope. Number one, jot this one down if you will please. Christian hope grows out of faith. Christian hope grows out of faith. Now, I'm not going to be talking about all the D6 take-home things. I want you to be able to just take that and, and run with it. But I want you to focus just for a moment about how Christian hope, the hope that we have, it grows out of our faith. Look, if you will, in verse number 12. It says, be imitators of those who inherit the promises through faith. And perseverance. Now he just gave us, and he was just talking about Abraham. That's the illustration he gave us. And he says, what I want you to do is imitate Abraham. Understand that Abraham was faithful. That he had faith. And he placed his hope in this promise that God gave him. And he persevered through it all. You see, the distinction of Christian hope, the distinction of Christian hope is that it's an outgrowth of the Christian's faith. You see, the more faith that we place in Christ, the more hope that we have of Him and in Him. You see, you look at those people with a small amount of faith in Christ, and they really have a small amount of hope. But the outgrowth of Christian faith, and as we are putting more and more and more of our faith in Christ, the more hope we have. You see, that's why it was, it's somewhat easier to stand over a loved one lying there in a casket that you know they have placed their faith in Christ. It's somewhat easier to stand over that type of a person than one that has not. Why? Because we've got that hope. That's not anchored in our circumstances. But it's anchored in Christ. It's anchored in our faith. That we know we'll see Him again. In heaven. You see, the natural side effect of an outgrowth of faith 
is hope that we have in Christ. And there's a great illustration of that, and I'm not going to make you turn to it, but over in Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 9, there, there's a story there that many of you are probably familiar with. The lady with the issue of blood. Now this lady, for 12 years, the Bible teaches us, that she had this issue of blood. She had this, this blood disease. She had this sickness. Now in her day, whenever she had this sickness, she was unclean. And anything that she touched, everyone had to throw away or, 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 or dis, disregard it and put it away from them. Even her herself, herself had to be put away from the crowds because of this disease that she had. Now on top of that, she was a lady and a, and a woman. In the biblical days, they were considered, for the most part, almost second class and pushed aside in that culture in that day. So she had two things going against her. But I want you to notice... That the Bible says that she spent all of her living. She was now dirt poor. She had spent all of her living, all of her finances, all of her money now was gone. She had spent at the doctor's office, so to speak, trying to find healing for this blood disease. Now I want you to just stop for a moment. A lot of times we read these stories and we fly on past it and we get on down to the good part. But I want you to think just for a moment how this lady must have felt. Twelve, I'm not, I didn't say 12 weeks. I, I, di I didn't say 12 months. 12 years. She struggled with this. Think of the disappointments in her life. Think of the friends that she lost. Think of those that betrayed her and pushed her aside because of this unclean disease that she had. Put yourself in her situation. She could not assemble together in a congregation like we are today. She would be commanded, get out. For 12 years. Financially spent. Everything gone. It's a desperate situation, is it not? And for the average person, they would think, this is a hopeless situation. But this lady had something that the average person did not have. You already know the answer to the question. What did she have? Hope. You see, this hope that she had in Christ is what sustained her through the difficult time period of her life. And she said, oh, I know Jesus is coming to town. He's making his way through our town. And she said, oh, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I could be made whole. Now, guys, that's hope. But the hope that she had grew out of what? Her faith. You see, a lot of people today don't have hope simply because they never placed their faith in Christ. The hope that this lady had grew out of her faith that she placed in Jesus. And she said, if I can just touch him, I don't even need him to acknowledge me. I don't need a special prayer service. I don't need the Benny Hinn movement. Just let me touch him by faith. And boy, if, if I could just touch him. Hey, see, I don't know what situation you may find yourself in today. 
I really don't know how your finances may be. I know that a lot of people are struggling. Maybe not so much in our area because of all the military, but even some are still struggling that aren't connected with the Air Force Base in some way. And by the way, for you guys that are connected with the Air Force Base, number one, I'll say thank you for serving. Number two, you need to thank God that you have a stable income coming through the government. Hello? I was just back in North Carolina visiting and preaching my grandmother's funeral. It was so sad. I went through downtown Hickory, North Carolina area. And that area used to have furniture plant after furniture plant after furniture plant after furniture plant. Hosier mill after hosier mill. It's a textile area. Employed thousands of people. I rode through that area this past week. Mega buildings sitting empty. Parking lots that I remember as a boy being filled with hundreds and hundreds and literally thousands of cars are empty now with grass growing up through the cracks of the asphalt about that high. They're mowing the parking lot. Now what's sad about that is that all those jobs, and I'm going to try to not get on a political stump right here, but all those jobs went overseas. And all those people have been left in the wake. They're hurting. Man, they are hurting. It's sad. It's sad. My mom was telling me some stories of men who pray for them. They are hurting. Lost their jobs, lost everything. It's sad. But you know what? It's not hopeless. This lady with the issue of blood in a very desperate situation. But the, the, the outgrowth of her faith resulted in her placing her hope in Christ. Guys, listen. She touched his garment. And the Bible says that instantly Jesus recognized that someone touched him. I, I love the story. He turns to the disciple and says, who touched me? Somebody just touched me. Now he knew. He's God. He's omniscient. He knows everything. But he was just wanting to try to prove somebody just touched me. They said, Jesus, Lord. There's hundreds, thousands of people all around you. And they're pushing and pressing against you. Why, literally hundreds of people are touching you. You know how it is when someone famous comes through where the crowds are pressing. That's how they were that day. He said, no, 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 no. He said, someone touched me by faith and virtue has gone out of me. Now, here's an interesting word study there. You go and study out the word virtue, you find it's a Greek word, dunamis. He said, power just left me. Somebody touched me by faith and power just went out of me because of the hope that this lady had. She touched him by faith and she was healed. Now, guys, I don't know. Listen, I don't know what situation you may find yourself in. I don't know if it's a financial hardship. It may be a physical illness or hardship. It may be a marital situation that you're involved in that may be struggling. It may be relational with your children, your kids. You know, I don't, I don't know what it is. But I do know this. There's hope. There's hope for you. But it's not founded. It's not grounded in yourself. It's not founded and grounded in your circumstances. It's not founded and grounded in your environment. It's founded and grounded in the person of Jesus Christ with the faith that we place in Him. Amen? Christian hope grows out of faith. 
And what you need to do when you get home with your family and your kids, you need to talk about some experiences where God heard and answered your prayers. Number two, Christian hope is an anchor. Boy, it's an anchor. I mean, it, it just anchors your soul. And that's what the scripture says in verse 19. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. We have this hope. Listen to what he said. Like a sure and firm anchor of the soul. <laughs> Boy, that's what a lot of people need today. You see, so many people today are tossed on the waves of life and the circumstances that come their way and here and there and fro. And, and wherever, the, wherever the wind blows, wherever the circumstances, the storms blow, they're dashing and crashing themselves on the rocks of life. And, and they're being devastated. You know what a lot of people need today? They need an anchor. They need an anchor. And the Christian hope is what anchors us in the storms. Listen, guys, just because you accepted Christ doesn't mean you're exempt from the storms of life. They're going to come your way. You're going to have hardship. You're going to have marital problems. You're going to have relational problems. You may have financial problems. You may have health and sick problems. You're going to have this stuff. But there's something different about a child of God and an unbeliever. A child of God anchors themselves. <laughs> My faith and the hope that I have is an anchor. Listen, I've been through some storms. And I don't want to belabor all the stories, but I'm, I'm here to tell you, as pastor of this church in the past 11 years, I've been through some storms. My family's been through some storms. But I want you to know there's one thing that sustained us, and it's the fact that our anchor holds. And our anchor is, is planted in the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Listen, that's our hope. It anchors us. It gets us through the storms of life. A lot of people, their lives are being just totally devastated on the, on, the, on the clefts and the rocks of the storm simply because they don't have an anchor. But here in the scripture, we have this hope. And the hope that we have, oh, it's not some humanistic, optimistic point of view. Well, I, I just believe it's all going to... Well, how do you believe that? Well, I don't know. I just think it's going to be okay. No, I want to... How do you know it's going to be okay? Well, I don't know. I just think it will be. You know, I'm an optimistic person. I'm not talking about that kind of hope. I'm talking about a hope that's anchored in this book. I'm talking about a hope that's anchored in my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking about a hope that I said, listen, I know it's going to be okay because my God promised me that He would meet all of my needs according to His riches and glory. Give me chapter and verse for what you believe. Amen? Don't just meander through life and say, well, I just hope, I just believe it's going to give. Why do you believe that? Well, I just believe it will. No, tell me why. Listen, you need to know why. Amen? I try not to preach at you. I'm trying to help you right here, okay? Because you're going to get in a hard place where the devil is going to say, See, I told you, that little thing you do on Sunday morning, it's not going to help you a bit. And by the way, if all you ever do is Sunday morning, just come and sit here, it's not going to help you a whole lot. It'll help you some, but you need to dig in more. And you need to know what you believe in and why you believe in it. And you need to know, listen, that the hope that you have is an anchor for your life. It's an anchor for your family. It's an anchor for your soul. And you need to share that with your family. Man, I'll try to settle back down here and be dignified here on Sunday morning. Christian hope is an anchor. And I don't know about you, but I thank God for that anchor. You see, from the moment men built ships and sailed the seas, the anchor for them became a symbol of hope. What's the first thing, and my sailor's not here today. 
I was going to pick on Paul a little bit right here on this point. But what's the first thing that takes place when, when, when the ship is out and, and a devastating storm comes? There may be some other things that take place. I'm not a seasoned sailor, so I don't know everything. But I do know this. They put a lot of hope and a lot of stock and a lot of faith in just anchoring down the ship to sustain them through some of the storms that they may endeavor and go through. And guys, that's what, Paul, that's what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. He's talking about that anchor of the soul that we have. I want you to look what he says about that anchor. He says that anchor the, of the soul in verse 19, it's both sure and it's steadfast. Now, if you do a little bit of a word study on the word sure, you'll find that this word translated sure, it means this. It's the source of asphalt. That's what the, the original word means. It's what holds the asphalt together. It's what compacts it and holds it together and makes it, makes it stick and makes it just gel and come together. And then when it hardens, it's, just, it's, it's solid. That's what that word is. That anchor for the soul for us means that our anchor is held firmly together. Amen? And I want you to notice also that the Christian hope that's like an anchor... I want you to notice where it's anchored. It's not anchored in this world. It's anchored in heaven. It's anchored in Christ. It's anchored in our God. And the reason why so many people have trouble in this world because they anchor their soul, they anchor their job, they anchor their families. Maybe and they drop their anchor in their jobs. And they should get it real snug. I'm snug in this job. Boy, I tell you, I, I, my anchor holds in this job or this career field or in this situation or this environment. Guys, those things are always changing. Amen? Our anchor that we have is anchored in heaven. And I want you to also notice that this hope that we have that's anchored in heaven... It'll never disappoint you. I don't have time to preach all of this, but jot down the references. And I may have put them in your notes. I can't remember. But Romans 5, 5 and Romans 8, 24. Are those there? You need to study that out some. I'd love, I'd love to preach those two verses to you, but I can't. I've kept you too long already. Romans 5, 5 says this. This hope does not disappoint. <laughs> He's talking more about the hope. This hope does not disappoint. Because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given us. And then Romans 8, 24, Paul's writing, he says, Now in this hope, we are saved. Boy, there's so much, there's so much about hope in the Word of God. Study those out if some this week. But I want you to know that the Christian hope is an anchor. Thirdly, and in closing, the Christian hope is a person. You already knew this one was coming. The Christian hope is a person. Once again, in verse 19 and 20, Hebrews 6, For we have this hope like a sure and firm anchor of the soul that enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Jesus has entered there. And on our behalf as a forerunner, because he has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. You see, our hope, the Christian hope that we have, is a living Savior. And I want you to notice it says Jesus is our forerunner. Now in the contemporary usage of the day, a forerunner was a scout. Sometimes it was an advanced uh, a guard of an army that would just run out ahead. In the, in the sense of the word here, it means that Jesus has blazed a path and a trail for us to God. And our hope, guys, is anchored in a person. And that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And I don't know what you may be struggling with today or what you may be going through. But in order to have this hope, it must be claimed. This hope that I've talked about is a hope that must be claimed. And how do you claim this hope? You claim this hope by placing your faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Guys, listen. You don't get this hope by placing your faith in me. If you watch me long enough and you evaluate everything I do, I promise you, I'll disappoint you. I'll let you down. I won't come through where you thought I should have come through. I won't respond the way you, should have, you thought I should have responded. If you, if you look too closely at me, you're going to find out, hey, he's just a man. And he's just a sinner saved by grace. Don't place your hope in me. Now, I want to try to help you and I want to try to encourage you. And I want to try to pastor you and shepherd you. But I want you to understand, I'm just a person. And by the way, I didn't volunteer for this job. God called me. Now, you can blame him, okay? Don't place your hope in me. Don't place your hope in this church. Because although we've got a great leadership team here, and we've got a great church family, and we've got great people, and I mean, I just love our church family. We've got good people. Just realize we're all sinners saved by grace. Somebody from time to time will disappoint you. Don't place your hope in our church family. Don't place your hope in your baptism. Don't place your hope in communion. Don't place your hope in giving of your tithe and your offering. There's only one place that you can place your hope. And it be the anchor that will sustain you through the storms of life. There's an old hymn. It's titled, Build on the Rock or the Solid Rock, one of the two. It was written in 1834. And the old hymn that we would stand and sing, I want us to sing it this morning. I think I got slides for it, Justin. You're going to have to help out the congregation here. How many ever heard this? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus. Let's sing it together, okay? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Hold that. All other ground is sinking sand. Next verse. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. The third verse is the last verse, the verse of hope. Let's sing that together. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Let's bellow it out one more time. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand.